So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Father, thank you for speaking your word to us in flesh in our Lord Jesus. Thank you for pouring out your Holy Spirit on us as wind and a fire, disrupting and renewing, changing us forever. Speak to us deeply now, Lord, as you continue to build your church in East Dallas. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Good evening, everybody. It's October 1st. Don't worry, it's still 90 degrees outside. It's always so confounding to me, and as long as I've, I've only lived in Dallas six years, this is my seventh fall, it's always a giant head fake where, you know, there's less light during the day, so the trees start to lose their leaves. And you think, oh good, it's about time. Fall is here. And then it just slams you and just rubs your face in the heat. So don't worry. Like an older brother that just won't quit. Don't worry, because fall will be here soon enough. I'm so excited. Tonight begins really a series of weeks where we're going to be looking at the letters from St. Paul. Uh, Philippians, I know the first and second Thessalonians, all the way until we run up into the season of Advent. I love letters. Letters are really important and special. It's an amazing way to communicate to somebody. It's outmoded and outdated maybe in our society. For instance, my wife and I began our uh, dating relationship in earnest through not letters, but through email, but most notably that special instant way of uh, communicating through MSN, Instant Messenger. Remember that? Remember the little conga drums? That means you had a little message. Paul has planted a church in a town called Philippi. Philippi was conquered by Caesar Augustus, rescued, and it was made into a Roman colony. So it had a special place of privilege. It's in kind of modern-day Macedonia, east of Italy, east of the Greek peninsula in the mainland, just kind of up there. And named for Philip the Great, uh, Alexander, Philip Alexander the Great's father. 
Now, Philippi was a place where army veterans, people, uh, men who were in Augustus' great, strong armies, it was a place where they would kind of go to retire, where, you know, people, a lot of ex-military would go live in San Antonio. We lived in Jacksonville. There were a ton of retired military because there was a commissary close by, yada, yada, yada. Philippi was like that. And Paul started this church here around 49 A.D., And one of his first converts was a lady named Lydia who sold purple cloth. So this was a a church that was founded on this woman's faith, her conversion to the gospel of Christ, and it spread. And Paul now is writing to this church, this little, this baby of his, about 12 or 14 years later. He's in prison. Most scholars think he's in prison in Rome. But some people think he's in Caesarea. Caesarea is down on the coast north of Israel in the Mediterranean Sea. You know where Rome is. Uh... Some of us have lived there. So, not me. Paul is writing to this church, and he wants to encourage them. He wants to communicate to them his thankfulness for the way that they've supported him, but he wants to communicate to them something very important. They have seen transformation in their community. As I was reading this passage this week, I thought about you people, the people that last week as I was laid up with a respiratory infection, it's not that I wanted to come talk to you or put on, you know, my ecclesiastical garb. I just wanted to be around you. I have experienced God's transformation in community, in you. I listen to you talk about it at your pastorate through coffee or lunch maybe that you've had with somebody. And I'm so grateful that our Lord Jesus has drawn you to himself in this community. The church at Philippi was also a church that was healthy. It was young. It was healthy. And so when I read this letter, I think, well, it may be like us about 10 years from now. On November 1st or November 5th, we'll celebrate two years of meeting weekly as All Saints East Dallas. Two years into this church plant. Two years of two steps forward, one step back, three or four steps forward, three or four steps back, but most notably, two years of God building his church faithfully. It's only because God wants this community to be here that this community is here. And that's what we hold on to. That's the song that we sing. That's the great focus that we have before us. And Paul, as he's writing to these dear ones, these beloved, as he calls them, at this church in Philippi that began with the conversion of Lydia, as he writes to them, he wants them to continue in the faith. He wants them to continue to have a singular focus, a singular burning yes for something, rather someone, because Paul knows just as well as you and I know that there are a thousand tiny distractions that can weigh us down. There are a thousand things that beg for our attention. There are a thousand songs of our culture, economic success, social success, civic power, You fill in the blank. Maybe a dream that you have, which is a good dream, and maybe it's a dream given you by God. That same dream given you by God has a counterfeit that the enemy might like to woo you into. And what Paul is telling the church at Philippi, what he's telling us now and maybe us a decade from now, 
is keep a singular focus. But he starts in an unusual way, doesn't he? Look at verses 1 and 2. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. So he starts by listing all of these wonderful things. I mentioned forgetting at the end of our worship set for a reason. I am so quick to forget. I am such a blessed person. But I, of anybody, can get so myopic, so nearsighted, so zeroed in on one little trouble that I forget the goodness that God has lavished on me, first of all, in Christ Jesus. So Paul lists all these beautiful things. And it reminds me, Chris and I, Chris and I are not just priests in real life, nor do we just play priests on television. We're also great friends in real life. And one of our great friend uh, rituals that we have, this is very cool, by the way. One of our great friend rituals that we have is in the 1st of September, the first couple of weekends of September, the Dallas Pin Club puts on... Shh, you're laughing because you want to be part of the club. You can. You can come. The Dallas Pin Club puts on the Dallas Pin Show, which is awesome. This is real. Thank you, Emma. Emma, I'll show you the fountain pens. You'll take them with you. And so every year before Chris and I go to the Dallas Pin Show, we have a little strategy session. We're going to talk over what, what are we going to do? Are we going to buy? Are we going to sell? Are we going to trade? What are you looking for? What are you looking for? And he's like, oh, well, you know, I've got this one. It's not writing very well. Maybe I'll trade in. And, I, but, and I'm telling you all this. I know that you want to be part of the Dallas Pin Club. You can email me. And I'll tell you about it later. But inevitably, I'll go through my inks, my pens, my paper, and I'll see all of the wonderful writing instruments that I have. This pilot vanishing point, this replica of an early 20th century plunger model, you know, this nice Italian with a nice broad nib with a stub on it. It looks beautiful when you write with it. I'll go through all the things that I have and I realize I don't need to buy anything else. I have everything that I need. And I, all, for, for just a fleeting moment, a fleeting nerd moment, I'm filled with joy. And when I read this list from St. Paul, writing to his dear ones, his dearly beloved, I'm reminded, friends, of the inventory. And I don't mean to, to reduce it into something that can be made into a commodity. But I'm reminded of the great cache of wealth that is ours in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. Even these inanimate things, not, not just Christ himself, but if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, if there's any participation in the Spirit, Hey, church, just enjoy these things. Enjoy participating in the Spirit. Relish it. Soak it in. Don't let the thousand minuscule, pestering things that are nipping at your heels distract you from true encouragement, joy, participation. Verse 2, Paul says, complete my joy. Paul clearly has a grasp on these things. Clearly, Paul's reality is more oriented around these things, or rather, this one from whom 
these blessings emanate. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, he tells these people. Being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Now that sounds a little more difficult, Paul, O planter of our church 12 to 14 years ago. Paul doesn't stop there, though. Because we're individuals. You know how it is. I admire all of you. But I don't always agree with you. And I wouldn't think that you'd always agree with me, even though I'm usually right. That's difficult in a community. So even though we experience transformation in community, we, all, we also sometimes butt heads. What do we say around here? This is not a sanitary place free of pathogens, but it is a safe and sanctifying place. We are going to have difficulty with one another. We are, maybe like the church in Philippi, there was a, there was a little difficulty, a little disagreement between Euodia and Sintiq. They would not get on the same page. And if you look ahead, you know, fast forward to the end of the story, Philippians 4, 2, Paul says, hey, agree. And then he moves on. <laughs> it's just like a man just to tell you to agree and fix it and move on. We love to do that. So it's difficult to live into this reality that Paul has for us. He goes on, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Oh, easy for you to say, Paul. But in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul, we love you. This is great. We want to enjoy these things. We want to relish the blessings that we've been given. But how do you suppose that we do this? How do you suppose each of these individual humans, yes, in union with Christ and in union with one another, filled with the Holy Spirit of God as individuals and as a community, but how do you suppose that we do this? Paul takes a page really from the ancient world. I mentioned that Caesar Augustus conquered Philippi. Caesar Augustus was a great ruler in the sense that he both had the military wherewithal and power to take his army all across the Mediterranean world and bring about a peace through his, his kind of peace, but brought about peace through the power of his army. But not only did, did he do that, but he was politically savvy. And he was able to keep an empire without any telegraph wires, much less Twitter or anything else like that. He was able to keep an empire very broad and vast, unified for a time. It was not unusual for leaders like Caesar Augustus or even before him, Alexander the Great, for whose father Philippi was named Philip. It was not unusual for those men to be considered to be divine. Alexander even suggested that before the end of his short life. So there would rise up a cult of worship for these emperors. And if you know anything about ancient literature, which I don't know a ton about it, but I've been reading some of it, and one of the things that ancients love to do is sing songs of their heroes. I just finished the Iliad, a long song in ancient Greek. But it begins with the poet singing the epic. And the, the Iliad begins 
about Achilles' anger of how he was wronged by Lord Agamemnon. Its companion, the Odyssey, all about Odysseus, master of stratagems, how he makes his way home after the Trojan War. The very first word of the, of the Odyssey is, Sing! Sing in me, O muse, and tell the story of Odysseus. So Paul takes a page out of this book. Not to glorify Caesar Augustus or Alexander the Great or Achilles or Odysseus or Aeneas or any of these old classic heroes, but he looks to Jesus, the someone from whom emanates that mutual participation, that joy, that affection, and most notably, that humility. And Paul writes what is probably our oldest Christian hymn. He writes a song. We ask the question, well, how do you suppose, Paul, that we live without selfish ambition, without rivalry? He says, well, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then the song begins. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. We can almost hear the subversiveness in Paul's first line. You may have heard of Augustus who conquered a wide empire. Yes, even your city, O Philippi, and made it a prosperous colony of the Roman Empire and considered himself God. But Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Verse 7. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. Doing the very thing that in the classical mind at that time a God would not and could not do. In Greek literature, there is, a, there is an unbroken divide between the immortal and the mortal. Meaning, even though a person like Achilles could be, have a, a mortal for a father and an immortal for a mother in Greek mythology, he was still mortal. He would still die. The gods would never die. But this god became a man emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And Paul sings on, verse 8, In being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The basest, vilest form of execution that, it, that man has ever known. Cicero said it's the, it's the cruelest, most horrible thing. That is the form of death that this God-man humbled himself to become obedient to. Paul goes on. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And now he's taken a direct shot against the cult of the emperor. So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father Amen, we could say. How do we live in unity? Paul makes it really clear and simple. You've been given this mind, church, because you are in Christ, because you have a union with Him, 
because you participate in the Spirit, you've been given, he says in verse 5, his mind. So let that mind be yours and sing this song of self-emptying. Sing this song of being poured out. And don't have that as a thing that you talk about every now and then. Don't have that as a song that you sing on Sundays. Let that be the burning yes. Let that be the object of transformation for your community. Let that be the object of your community's affection and adoration. Let that be the song that you sing, the song that gives shape to the narrative of your own life. Because Paul goes on to say, you have to work out your salvation, individuals. I'm not here with you anymore. He says, you've obeyed in my presence, but now, much more so, enjoying the blessings that you've been giving, being one with one another, singing this song of the God-man whose name is above every name, at whose name every knee will bow, on the earth and under the earth and heaven. There is no boundary to his glory and his power. Sing his song and work out this salvation. It's not an automatic thing. Yes, you're in Christ. Yes, you are rescued and saved. Yes, you're in the lifeboat on the way back to the shore, but you're not there yet, and you must work this out. doesn't mean that you have to save yourself. Paul's not saying you're saved by what you do, but he is saying take what's been given you and spend the rest of your life discovering what God has planted inside of you. How do we live at unity with one another? I said I love letters. Recently published is a book of selected letters by uh, Henry Nowen. He wrote this to a, a friend who was a teaching assistant at Yale and who had hit, who's, this friend and his wife had stayed close to Henry all his life. And Henry said this about focus on God and life and community. Life is like a wheel. God is the hub. By focusing on the hub of life, you come closer to God. The closer you come to the center, the closer you come to each other. Everyone travels on a different spoke, but as long as we travel to God we, in Christ, we travel to each other. How do we stay in unity as we as individuals living different lives walk this life, walk the spoke that we've been given? I'm on a spoke, you're on a spoke, you're on a spoke. Your life is going to look different than mine. So easy to compare ourselves one to another. So easy to be like the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. Or, they have all of this, God. Their life must be so easy. It's so hard for me. so difficult. Remember, the thousands of things that distract us can knock us off course. But as we focus on the hub, as we sing the song of the one who emptied himself for your sake and my sake, we can walk on that spoke. And yes, different things are going to happen. 
Our lives are going to look different than somebody else's life. We're going to bump into each other and have conflict in this space, even as we experience transformation in community. But we sing his song. And Paul says, as you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, verse 13, God will work in you. So you're not alone. You don't have to do it yourself. He hasn't given you 55 instructions before leaving earth and said, go get them, pal. God is intimately involved, rescuing us every single day, providing for us every single day, shedding abroad His love on our hearts by His Holy Spirit every single day. So as we work out, God works in to will and to work. And notice the last word. For God's pleasure. It's good. God likes it. Do you like this? Not my sermon necessarily. But do you like life together? I do. And doggone it, God does too. God gets pleasure. God gets glory from it. So friends, you're going to be bombarded by a million things to take your singular focus off the hub of the wheel. There are going to be things that I do to frustrate you and to annoy you. There are going to be things that other people do to frustrate you and annoy you. Let's keep short accounts. But most of all, let's keep our focus singularly on our Lord Jesus. Let's not forget how He has saved us, how He is saving us. Now let's walk together towards the middle of the wheel. Let's pray. God, we glorify you. We thank you for loving us. Hmm. We thank you that you have saved us and are saving us. Lord, I thank you for, Lord, the earnest that you have shown us already in the way that you've transformed us through community, through our pastorates, through dinners, through all the things, Lord, through worship. Please continue to do that. Please continue to build your church in East Dallas. Please to continue to give us courage to be authentic with you and one with another. And Lord, let us take delight in the way that you take delight in working out your will, good, pleasing, and perfect as it is in our lives. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.